It's good. It's good. Talking baptisms, you wouldn't believe what good pastors get asked. Uh, honestly, you wouldn't believe. Uh, uh, we announced um, dedications, not baptisms. So I'm all over the place. A little bit of lack of sleep. I didn't have as many coffees as Warren, obviously. But, um, but baby dedication. Someone actually asked, could I dedicate my puppy? And uh, now I, I, I love dogs, pets. I mean, I, I did grow up in a church where it was once preached, pets stop you going to the nation, so don't get a pet. So pets weren't high on the agenda, honest, in my background. Like, no, pets will stop you taking the gospel to the ends of the world. I will never get a pet. But anyway, some people, we didn't all grow up in that world. And, and um, I was once asked, would you dedicate my puppy? And I was caught because everything inside of me wanted to shout and scream, hell no. Are you allowed to say that in church? But if you're a puppy lover, we love your puppy. But, um, but anyway, you would be surprised the questions pastors get answered um, along the way and in the story. I've had the incredible privilege of, of traveling the last two weeks. Um, I don't think I got a chance to mention to the evening service that uh, I just, number one, to be with the first week with about 70 church planners who are these young, probably gave 23-year-olds, 2-year-olds to 34-year-olds who are planning churches outside of America. They're leaving mega churches and the comforts of salaries and a whole bunch of things to go into communities and say, actually, we're going, we're going to plant a church that preaches the gospel, that brings truth and life, that does it authentically with real connection. And um, they're pioneering in many ways. The, the, I think the greatest mission field in the world now is America and the first world. Honestly, I think the, the greatest need for missionaries is actually the first world. It's post-church, post-modern, post-everything, self-absorbed, and at many levels it has, has so many things attractive around that, that the, the, the need for a savior, the need for a lion to roar over them has been lost. And to see these young guys stepping out, and the real reason that I went was the man leading that, this movement of young men, his name's Chris Vinant, he was the leader of my first church when I was 14 years old. And I still have relationship with him, I still honor him. I, I believe he's an apostle. I believe he's a man that God has called and to pioneer in some of these things. So to walk in relationship and to go spend a night, with, a night at his house and, and see his family as well, all these years later, the gospel is meant to be done with our friends. Honestly, why are camps important? I honestly don't care if no one remembers what, what anyone spoke about. I, I really don't. I, I, that's not. If, and, and we said we arrived on Friday night. And guys, we're all ready. We're going to get the word. We're going to worship. We sang one song. We said, go get your hiking boots on and get a torch because we're going hiking. And we did a 5K hike. And they had homework to do on the hike. They had to meet at least two new people and ask them three questions. Because at every meeting after that, we just called people up and said, come and tell us who you met and tell us about their stories. Because honestly, church that is about preachers, church that is just about taking a word away, there is some value in that. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the full value and truth of us walking together in church. So I want to encourage you. If, if you're saying, I want to stand on the back. Hey, guys, Warren, how long have you been in this church? Eight or nine years. Yeah, eight or nine years. And I'm not saying that to embarrass you. I'm just saying the problem is we live and we do church so often waiting to be introduced. Just waiting to be, I went to England with Rory and, and he got up and at the opening of the, the meeting, he, say, he tells this joke. He says, no, what happens because we're in England, so why not rip off the English and Irish, obviously. He says, there's two English, two Welsh and two Irish stranded on Ireland. Have you heard this one? 
So, so they're stranded on the island. Fifteen years later, the rescue party arrived. And there's the Welsh. They've started a choir. They're singing in harmonies, like no business. They've had 15 years to work on their harmonies. There's the, the, the Irish. They've started a bank because that's what they do. They're good at it. They started a bank. And the English, they were still waiting to be introduced. Sorry, Miriam. I apologize. Don't lay hands on me afterwards, Miriam. But then we sit down to lunch afterwards at this church, and we introduce ourselves, and one guy introduced him to another guy. They've been in church together for 18 years. They've never spoken. It's not a massive church. It was a church of about 700 people. They'd never met each other or spoken in 18 years, and it was this awkward silence, like awkward joke, awkward silence. <laughs> it's just, you guys carry on. You need to chat. But, but to do life together is really, really important. So we've spoken about, we'll keep speaking about that. Tonight, I'd like to speak about the Apprentice, not the TV show. Not the TV show. It'll make sense. The Apprentice, if you're taking notes and, and you're there. Jesus had this, this model of doing ministry. He would walk with his crew. But he would engage a city. And he would, he would have a heart for the city. He would minister to the city. He wasn't thinking about the church. He wasn't looking for his disciples. And he entered a context and he looked for the city. So there was always this sphere of influence of a city. And his first sphere of influence as he engaged in anywhere was the city. Jerusalem, Antioch, all these amazing cities. Wherever, and, and he didn't hit to Antioch, Paul did. But, but he had a heart for the city. Then what would happen would a crowd would form around him wherever he went. And, and this crowd would form, and the crowd was made up of all sorts of people. We're going to get into the detail a little later. I'm trying to get the picture into your head. There would be a city, then there would be a crowd that would follow, sometimes 5,000, and they didn't have food. Sometimes a couple of hundred on a beach, forcing him so tightly that he had to get into a boat and get on the water and go somewhere else. So there's a city, there's a, a crowd. And because the, I grew up in a church that was really good at alliteration, five P's, seven C's, and four D's, we're going to go with C tonight. Is that helpful? So we've got a city, we've got a crowd, and then it gets a little bit smaller to the core. And the core in Jesus looks something like 120 disciples or 70 disciples, those in the upper room who were with, they got to see Pentecost, they got to see a whole bunch of things. But they, they weren't super close, but they were part of his border team. Kind of like an NFL rugby team. You just there's 50 guys on the team. You just you're not really close, but but there's 50 guys on this massive team. It's a weird sport. That American sports weird. They're just all weird. All of them are weird. Yeah, they advertise. Anyway, I'm not going to go down that road. So I'm just like they're just weird sports. Anyway, so there's the city, and then there's this this this. What did I say? The city, the crowd, the core, and then he's got his crew. Got to work with the seas. His, his disciples, his 12 dudes, he invested his life in. These are the guys who let him down. These are the guys who ran. But he invested his life in these guys. And then he had his chomis. Chomis is with a C. Hey, I'm just thinking now, could it be with a T? Is it with a C? It's going to make it. It's a C-H-O-M-M, chomis, or his closest. He had the three, Peter, James, and John. These were the guys he, he went to Gethsemane with. And he said, will you, will you pine with me? Will you, will you seek God with me? Will you, will you in, my, in my darkest moment, will you be close to me? He's on the cross and, and he's carrying. So he looks at John. He says, will you look after my mother? 
John was the one who put his head on his chest. John was probably the closest of the closest, but he had his closest. And I want to tell you that this picture still exists with Jesus. And people still settle for their level of closeness to Jesus. Some are really happy being just in the city that Jesus is in. Some are really keen, and they're happy to just be in the crowd, not standing out, but in the crowd. You see, the the difference between the days of Jesus and the times of now is that at this stage, the invitation is out. This book is from page one to the very last page, an invitation to all who will bow their knee to the King of Kings, every single one to come close and be at the very center and the closest to Jesus. See, I think we live and we look at this picture because we can see this model. All of us can see that model in the gospel. We all think, well, actually, it's okay if I'm in the crowd because there was a crowd in the time of Jesus. I look at the gospel, and I don't think it is okay. And we, we've become so comfortable in the church, and we have, I, I sit in the American church and they use language like it's 10% are going to be just people wafting through. 40% will just be the crowd. They're the masses. That's okay. That's normal in American church. 40% will kind of be in the crew somewhere around, and 10% will be close. And I'm going, that's acceptable. That's fine. That's okay. That, 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 that 90% of the church are not close, and I'm not talking about close to the church. Please don't hear me tonight. I'm not preaching about the church. I'm preaching about Jesus and his kingdom. See, an invitation went out, and you know this, but I'm going to read the story anyway. Matthew 22, the parable of the wedding banquet. Sorry, I don't have notes. It's been a bit of a busy weekend. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Not the kingdom of the church, the kingdom of heaven, which is bigger than the kingdom of the church and extends far beyond the borders of the church. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet and to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who had been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field. See, it's very, we justify our field. God, you gave me the field. You've called me to work the field. So I'm going to work 70 hours a week, never have time for my family, never have time for Jesus. Do you read your Bible, sir? I don't have time. Rubbish. Who gave you that field? Who gave you that job? Who gave you those gifts to have that job? I feel quite strongly about this. Another to his business. Who gave you that business, sir? No, I'm busy with my business. I can't come and enter this kingdom banquet. I can't be in this banquet because God has given me a business and I've got to be a faithful steward. Your number one stewardship is your relationship with Jesus. Number one. And, and I know this is hard. I look at my mate over there, Dave. A Monday morning here, it's on a plane every week to Johannesburg and flies back late Friday night. It's hard. He's my friend, and I know this is difficult. And I'm saying, Dave, your number one thing is still your relationship with Jesus. It always will be. God's given massive opportunity, but Jesus. He says, the rest seized his servants. The ones who bring the invitation, they seized the servants, mistreated them, and killed them. What did they do so bad by bringing an invitation? I think it's because they knew they didn't want to respond to the invitation. So actually, we can just get rid of the evidence somehow. We can just get rid of the messenger. I think we can do the same thing with the invitation. Church, just stop reading the Bible, guys. 
I've got to be honest. And, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about this church. I have the chance of speaking to many churches, but I include this church. As I get to sit with more and more people, and they want to hear from a man about God rather than go to God about God. And I won't do it anymore. You know why? Because I will die trying to do it, trying to do it. And I'm not prepared to do it because the invitation is out. It's in the Gideon Bibles next to your beds. It's in the Bible in your home. You have access to the King of Kings yourselves. And by not taking that access, I think we are killing the messenger. I'm not the messenger. Is that too strong, Gabe? Wally, sorry. I, I am passionate about this, guys. I spent nine, ten, nine years in the marketplace. I've spent, in 2017, it'll be 10 years in the church. And I'm telling you, telling most of my hours that I've invested in people's lives are because people haven't taken the invitation and responded to it. And they've killed the messenger. And I'll keep responding and I'll keep pouring my life into people. I'm not going to say, what did you do? But I'm telling you, let us respond to Jesus. He says, the king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. Jesus tells the story. It's not, but, but I want to say the rite of passage is different for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. The rite of passage is different to what they had at this time. Jesus, he only had his person. He didn't have Bibles to distribute his story. He was writing a story. He said, I'm going to invest myself in 12. But it's different today. He said, I can, through my spirit, I can be in every believer. The greatest transition this world has ever seen wasn't a leader to a leader. It was Jesus to the Spirit of God inside of his believers. It's the greatest transition. And the difference is our decisions to move from the outskirts of being part of the city looking at Jesus to the crowd following and watching Jesus to the core following Jesus to the crew who were intimate with Jesus to the closest who had their heads on his chest. It's decisions. I used to think it was a moment in God's presence alone. Zap me, Jesus. When the prophet comes to town, I'll be there. Because I might get zapped and all of a sudden I'm going to be transported from the outskirts of the city into the center and my head on his chest. Woo! I grew up in that. And I still believe God does supernatural things in moments of his presence. But the more and more I read the Bible and I see Paul speaking about train yourself in the ways of godliness. There are decisions we make. For some, I reckon for Warren, the, the decision to get in a car, to get rid of discomforts. And to settle into a story, he's moved forward, not more into the church, not more into relationships with the church, but actually more into Jesus. Because when he meets Tim at a coffee machine and hears Tim's story, he sees Jesus. The journey from the outskirts of the city will be empowered by the Spirit of God, forwarded and, and, and fueled by the Word of God. And the journey begins from the outskirts of the city. On the outskirts of the city, I'm talking about believers. Those who will go to heaven, those who will arrive at heaven with their fire insurance from hell, and they say, I got in, but I lived my life on the outskirts of the city. I want to make a statement. You weren't created, you weren't made to live on the outskirts of the city. You weren't made to live on the outskirts of the city. Why do I know that? It's because Christian life is not about doing the right things. It's about knowing Jesus and becoming like Jesus. That's the life for all of us. 
every single one of us. That's the journey. It's not about signing all the dotted lines, this many number of church services. I remember I, I got a certificate after five years of doing Sunday school when I was a light and I didn't know what it meant, but I knew I got my certificate. I was present at Sunday school this many times over five years. And that, I, I used to go to Sunday school six so I could get my certificate. Thank you. I've still got it. It's in my office. But I think people are doing that with the church. And somehow thinking, Jesus is impressed. He's impressed. He's not impressed. He doesn't, he doesn't give a hoot. You need the church, but he doesn't need you to have a, a signed off certificate saying you came to church 17 times. You need church because we need brothers. You need church because you're a part of an army. You're not an isolated animal running on the outskirts. Those are the ones that get taken out by the bad lions. Just watch the migration. Oh, look at me. I'm so free. I'm not running with anyone. Whoa. Woo. Woof. Good night, nurse. And we laugh about it, but it's true and it's real and it happens. And when you've been in the church for year after year, my nightmares of the church are those who got taken out on the outskirts. Paul writes, what cut in on you? What cut in on you? You were running a good race. What cut in on you? It's like you're running. Chariots of fire. You're running. Bucky's Buddha smashes you. It's because you're out there. In the outskirts of the city. And Jesus said, will you come close? The invitation is out. It requires a response and ongoing responses to keep making that move. I'm still making that move. I'm not in this preach. I'm not telling you where I think I am. And please don't make assumptions. We all live with these assumptions. John Ron spoke and said, actually, we're all judgmental at some level. God is dealing with our judgmentalism because we make quick decisions. But don't make assumptions. Honestly, guys, I've met pastors who preach Sunday after Sunday, and I sit with them in coffee, and they're crying out for a relationship with Jesus. Just being honest. They're crying out just to know him again because they spend hour after hour, 20 hours a week, preparing preachers, but they're not encountering the King of Kings. And they talk about the glory days of their youth when they had all-night prayer meetings and they spent time in their presence, but they've lost that intimacy. What cut in on you? Anyway, let me move on. You weren't designed to be in the city of Jesus. Oh, I, I, my mom was super Chris. My mom used to, because my mom was super Chris, I get it. By Chris, I mean Christian, sorry. Just trying to be cool. Sorry, you didn't respond, so I'm like, flip, I really messed up. I mean, I understood maybe Miriam didn't get it, but I mean, uh, come on, guys, work with me. But it's like, because I'm in the city, and because I'm somehow close to someone who really loves Jesus, I'm in. I've, I've just been to Los Angeles, seven highways, fully packed with cars, everyone in their own car, not moving, just sitting. It took me three and a half hours to drive 45 miles. What's that? 65 kilometers. Three and a half hours. It was painful. A city of 10 million people, you can live in that city next to someone, three houses away, drive the same way to work every day, work in the same areas, hang out in the same places, and never meet someone. It's the same with Jesus. We can be in the vicinity of Jesus all our life, but it doesn't mean we're going to know him. And our journey is not to be in the vicinity of Jesus. Our journey is to know him. 
not to know someone who knows him. I was born a Christian. My family is Christian. It means nothing. Jesus loved the city. Don't get me wrong. He, he, he loved the city. But our journey is one of knowing, being knowing, and becoming like Jesus. Then the, I want to say you weren't designed for the crowd. You, you weren't made for the crowd. See, no one remembers the crowd. I had a, my sister had a boyfriend named Michael. He was this like surfer dude. And he got cast for the movie The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio. And we were all like, Michael's in the beach. He spends three months on location in, in Thailand. And Koh Penyang or some island there. Three months. And they, they're filming um, PP Island. That's it. Sorry. Sorry. You're working with me now. We got it. And, and, uh, and um, he spends three months. They all go to the movie. We go watch a movie. The beach. Going to see Michael. We saw Michael for about 0.34 of a second the first time. And the second time was when his mate gets eaten by a shark because he's one of the Swedish dudes, apparently. And you see the back of his head and we're like, Michael. <laughs> know him. And, but that's the crowd. Jesus loved the crowd. Don't give me the crowd. were made up of the curious, the desperate, the hopeful, the amazed. They were seeking out his healing powers. They would chase him and they, they would listen to his teachings. They brought their sick. They brought the demon possessed. They, they brought it all. This is the crowd. The crowd did that. And it says Jesus had compassion of the crowd. It was made up of peasants and fishermen and, and tax collectors and all these different dudes, just the people of the land. It, it's in, and, and it speaks about the, the controversies actually generally happened with the crowd. It was the crowd stirred up. The crowd got angry. And you know who crucified Jesus? It was the crowd. The crowd crucified Jesus. And the crowd are crucifying in churches. They're crucifying faster. They, they come, 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 and we don't get met, so we duck. And we sing songs like the going get tough, the tough get going. No, the tough don't get going, they just get gone. In our world today. Jesus loved the crowd. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think you were made for the crowd, neither was I. Jesus spoke about the crowd and he describes and he says, they're like a sheep, they're like sheep without a shepherd. You see, you can be a Christian, which makes you a sheep. That's what the Bible says. I'm a sheepy. You're a sheepy. We're sheeps. Many sheeps. But Jesus looks at the crowd with compassion. He says, like a sheep without a shepherd. They know they're sheep. They just don't want to respond to the shepherd's voice. Are you in the crowd? Come closer. You weren't made for the crowd. I want to say even you weren't designed for the core. Just to be, oh, I'm in the core. I'm in, I'm in the movement. I'm, I'm kind of part of the 120 in the upper room with Jesus and Pentecost. We gathered together. I was there. I got to see it all. But I... You don't hear Jesus mention the names of those, some of those disciples. He, he doesn't speak about the intimacy. He doesn't speak about them. He speaks about their lack of faith sometimes. Not talking to the church's core, but Jesus' core. There's more on offer. Gabe spoke about the Holy Spirit last night. The Holy Spirit means this. There's more of him. That's why the Holy Spirit came, to show us Jesus, show us the Father. And I need to move along quickly. But the Great Commission to make disciples, and, and Jesus had his disciples, and I'm, I didn't even get to what I was going to preach about tonight, but, but, but Mar, Eugene Peterson writes the message, and I was listening to it walking the streets of New York, and he uses the word apprentice instead of disciple over and over again. That's amazing. And 
We aren't called to just be the crowd in the city, the, the sheep without a shepherd walking the outskirts of the city. You aren't called. It's not the pastor's prerogative to have the hotline to heaven. We all have it. It's called the Holy Spirit. We call to come close and to be apprentices of Jesus. I have three little apprentices in my home. You know what the apprentice does? They spend time with the rabbi, the, the design of the rabbinic. As you spend time with the rabbi, you would live in his home. You would watch, you would learn, you would see everything and do everything he does. The second thing is you learn his teachings. And the third thing is you then take that message out and become like your rabbi. That is our design. And, and I'm not going to major on whether that's the crew of the 12 or the closest, because they were all close to Jesus. They all walked with him. They all had his intimacy. That's not the issue. That just worked for alliteration. The issue is, go and make disciples, become a disciple. And most people, it's like, no one has discipled me. I hear that all the time in the church. Who one's discipling me? No one's pushing in. And I'm having a bit of fun, but it's the truth. It's a weak excuse. Disciple is a noun and a decision. I am a disciple of Jesus. I'm a disciple, which means I give myself to become more and more like Jesus, to spend time in his presence, to be with Jesus. I make decisions in my life to be a disciple, to be an apprentice, to spend time with Jesus. You want to know what this gospel demands? It demands your time. We go to bed last night, and everyone, we're all energetic the first night. Last night, the lights are off like half past 10. But it didn't turn the cell phones off. You just see, woo, little lights over there, lights over there. Everyone's on their technology. Technology is stealing from us our intimacy with Jesus. I know it because it's stealing from me. I'm called to spend time with my rabbi. I'm the apprentice. He's the teacher. Then I've got to learn his teachings. And, and, and it doesn't say, get the quick summary. See, I'm, I'm, I, I like absorbing a lot of information quickly, but I found a terrible thing called executive book summaries. It's terrible. You get a summary of the book, any book. In 12 to 30 pages, I can get a monster book summarized down. It gives you all the main points. It's terrible, I know. But it's true. And we want the same thing with the Bible. We want the same thing with Jesus. And he says, you want to be a disciple? You want to be an apprentice? Learn my teachings. Jesus was a teacher. He taught in pictures, yes. In parables, yes. In stories, yes. Not scientific, technical terms. But he taught. Will you give yourself to his teachings? Not, will you give yourself to someone else teaching his teachings? That's part of it. That's there to help equip. And the last one is then to become like your rabbi. To do what he does, to preach the gospel, to teach the Bible, to heal the sick, to pray and prophesy, to do social justice, to have meals with people, specifically the lost. So Jesus did that. He hung around with the prostitutes, the pimps, the drug dealers of his time. To fight with the, the religious to walk with friends. Oh, no, Mark, that sounds like your job. That's why we pay you to be a pastor. I can't be your disciple and tick off your disciple box one day with Jesus. It's not my job. My job is to teach and reveal Jesus along with the others who get the privilege of teaching. It's your job to become a disciple. My job 
Yes, we disciple. Yes, we put energy. I believe in that. I'm not saying I don't believe in that. I'm just telling you, it can't stay there. There has to be a decision on your side to say, I want that because I want Jesus. And what happens when we make those decisions? We start moving from the city edges to the crowd, to the core, to the crew, and to his closest. And we've settled for something less when we've settled for my Christian life meant I went to church, meant I gave to the poor, and, and, and I tried to live a good life. Because that's better than most. Well, it probably is better than most. But it's not what you were designed for. You were designed for intimacy with Jesus. You were designed to not just become someone who knows about Jesus, but to become an apprentice of Jesus. And then what he says is, he says go, now you go, businessman. Plant businesses that bring glory to God. Teachers, plant schools, get stuck into schools. Doctors, nurses, mothers, wherever God has you, bring the glory of God, bring the kingdom of God because you're an apprentice of the king of kings. I trust that's encouraging. I trust, I know I had one-liners that were maybe strong, but, but I really believe this. And I think when the church starts to get this, we won't be, we won't be spending our time trying to encourage the church. We'll be spending our time trying to actually facilitate army warfare as the line of Judah draws.